What is up, everybody, and welcome back to the Carolina Talk Podcast. As always, I am your host, Jacob Turner, back again with another episode, guys. And I mean, what else can we really talk about? We had to come back on here and do a podcast, had to come back on here and talk some Carolina basketball. And I mean, we can't we can't ignore what's already been done. We can't ignore what we have to come on here and talk about. And that's North Carolina's win, 79 to 70 on Saturday night for a share of the ACC regular season title over Duke, 79-70 at the Smith Center, a game in which I was at. My first Carolina-Duke rivalry, uh, kind of cool or amazing experience for me in a lot of ways because I'd never been to a Carolina-Duke game. I'd grown up watching it, of course, and had always wanted to go, but it's cool that my first game going was you know for Tar Heel Illustrated, uh, Rivals.com for uh, as a journalist to cover the game. So that was an amazing experience, kind of a surreal moment for me. And um, just a, a uh, first of all, a really good game to go to because of how well Carolina played. But it was also a super competitive game for most of it. I thought Duke did some really nice things, especially in that first half. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into it. But uh, I do want to start off by saying that the fact that North Carolina was able to, to capture a share of that ACC regular season title, I think says a lot about this team. The, the seniors, Luke May, Kenny Williams, Cam Johnson, have really stepped up as of late. Kobe White's been phenomenal um, all season, set the freshman three-point record for uh, Tar Heel uh, in, in the win against Duke. He's, I think, top ten on the list in uh, freshman scoring at Carolina right now. I know he passed MJ a couple games ago. So Kobe White's been phenomenal. The whole team's been phenomenal. Garrison Brooks has played a lot better. Um, Nazir Little stepped up and, and done some really nice things at some moments. So he can make that a more consistent thing, make that um, positive play a little bit more consistent, uh, then it'll get even better. But Nazir Little stepped up and, and done some good things, like I mentioned. Even Bree Robs come off the bench, Seventh Woods come off the bench and done some really nice things as well. And this Carolina team in general right now, before we go into the Duke game and review that one a little bit, uh, it's just playing really well. They're one of the hottest teams in the country. They're getting production from different spots. They're finding different ways to win. They don't have to win by just hitting threes. If they're not hitting threes, they can out-rebound you and make shots down low and get to the basket and be more aggressive. If they're not being more aggressive, getting to the basket, they're going to hit shots. But it really all comes down to the fact that they rebound so well and get second-chance points and run in transition so well. And They just have scores all over the court that are capable of going off any game. If you can just get one or two of those guys instead of all four, even all five in some ways when you add to zero little, it just makes this Carolina team so dangerous. So this Carolina team right now going to the ACC tournament, which I will be at uh, covering it for Tar Heel Illustrated. This is, I'm recording this podcast on Monday, but I'll be headed down to Charlotte tomorrow morning sometime. And it'll be fun to, to go down there and watch the tournament. It's going to be a fun event. And Carolina obviously not playing until Thursday. I think they play the winner of Georgia Tech in Louisville. Don't quote me on that, but I'm pretty sure that's who, are they, who North Carolina is going to have to play um, in the first round of the ACC tournament, guys. But... The reason we, we're doing this podcast is to talk about this Carolina Duke win 79 to 70, like I've already mentioned a couple times before. But let's dive right into it. North Carolina getting a big win. Uh, we're actually behind by two at half. I remember that uh, 40 to 38 lead for the Blue Devils. Uh, I wrote my story after the game on the fact that Kenny Williams and Nazir Little kind of carried North Carolina in the first half. And I didn't really realize it in the moment until I went back and looked at all the stats of the first half and compared it. Uh, to the final box score at the end of the game and saw that Kenny Williams and Nazir were like 9 of 16, 21 points. I think Kenny had 9. Oh, excuse me. 
Kenny had 12, Nazir had nine. Uh, Nazir actually didn't even take a shot in the second half, didn't even score a point in the second half. I only played six minutes, but had a really, really um, big impact off the bench in the first half that was kind of able to keep North Carolina close, keep North Carolina within striking distance because it was weird. It was a weird game I tweeted about in the first half, but I thought Carolina was the better team in a lot of ways and should have been up by more. It felt like Carolina should have been up by five, six at half. Not a ton, but had to have a, a solid lead and something some kind of cushion to hold on to entering that second half, but it wasn't to be, and Duke took, you know, the 2 nothing lead, or not the 2 nothing lead, the two-point lead going into the second half. So that was a little bit surprising for me because I didn't, it didn't feel, at least in the building, and maybe it felt different when you were watching it on TV, but it didn't really feel like Carolina was behind. It didn't really feel like Carolina should have been behind, but they did find themselves behind by two at the break. And just in general, I saw a former I think it was a walk-on or something they used to play at Carolina, mentioned it. I don't know if it was Twitter or podcast. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he mentioned that the first half, the atmosphere in the Smith Center was not as electric as you might expect in a Carolina-Duke rivalry. And I even noticed that, too. I'd heard all these things about the Carolina-Duke rivalry being um, this totally different experience than you've ever experienced at a Carolina game before. And, you know, having been to the UVA game this year and Gonzaga game this year, some big games at the Smith Center, even the VT game, they all were great, and I would say in the first half, they were pretty similar to the, the Gonzaga and Virginia game at times. Didn't really get too, too crazy until the second half, and then you started to understand it a little bit more. The only real difference for me compared to those big games is there's moments during the game where you, you get chills, not because of, you know, oh, this is awesome what I'm witnessing. You literally get chills because there's the electricity in the air is just different. You can feel it. You can kind of feel the vibrations in the building. You can kind of feel everything around you at times. And it's really cool. That's the one thing I noticed about the Carolina Duke rivalry since it was my first that it didn't necessarily shock me during the game as much as I thought it would. It wasn't as different during the game as I thought it would besides the fact that maybe the crowd was a little bit more in it at times. And obviously the place was sold out, which is the Smith Center is usually packed, but this place was sold out. There wasn't a seat open, not that I saw. And a lot of times you see these little speckled seats everywhere, but I didn't see one at all. And even in the pregame, you know, before an hour before tip-off, this place is about filled up. At least 30 minutes before tip-off, this place is definitely filled up. And that was really cool to see. But the one thing I will say if you've never been is that electricity in the air at times is different. And that's the one major thing, one major difference, I'd say, in the Carolina-Duke rivalry and, you know, just another big game like a Gonzaga or UVA. And don't get me wrong, those atmospheres were great too. But you never really felt that electricity in the building like you felt at Duke, especially during that second half. Um, not at Duke, excuse me, against Duke at the Smith Center, especially in the second half. So uh, back to the game itself. Let's go ahead and break down the box score and just check out a few things, see how um, UNC performed individually. If you look at the box score, actually, if you compare North Carolina's and Duke's, Duke shot 34.2% in the game. Carolina shot 40.5%. Carolina shot 38.7% from three. Duke shot 25%. Blue Devils 706 from the free throw line. And North Carolina didn't shoot very well from the free throw line at all, 53.8%. I think Brooks shot a majority of them. Yeah, Brooks shot, what, 10 of North Carolina's 13 free throws, only made four of them. Brooks was didn't have a great game from the free throw line. But I will give him credit because late in the game, if you remember, Brooks hit those two crucial free throws. I remember him thanking God. He was, like, pounding his chest and pointing up uh, after he made both of them because he, he knew how bad he'd been shooting free throws. But those free throws were crucial. What, he was 2 of 8 going into that? And then he ends up making two of the most clutch free throws that Carolina needed late on. Ends up four of ten. So got to give him credit for that. If he could have made a few more free throws during the game, 
maybe it would have been a little bit different and he wouldn't have had to hit him at the end. But give got to give credit where credit's due. And I thought uh, Garrison Brooks hitting those two late were, were really, really important. Um, but breaking down North Carolina individually, you got Luke May um, and Kenny Williams both playing over 30 minutes. Uh, Kobe White as well. Garrison Brooks and Cam Johnson played about 28, 20, 29, 28 minutes apiece. But Kenny, Kobe, and Luke all played plus 30 minutes. Kenny, which I'm not surprised to look at now, played 39 of the 40 minutes, which doesn't surprise me at all. I said, talking to some people after the game, that it didn't feel like Kenny Williams really ever came out of that game. And besides one minute, he didn't. So Kenny Williams had a phenomenal game. I thought he was the best player on the court. I know R.J. Barrett ended up with, what, 28 points? Um, played 38 minutes, 26 points, excuse me. But I thought Kenny Williams did a phenomenal job on Barrett. I mean, I know Barrett ended up with 26, like I mentioned, but he was 10 of 27 from the field. He shot 27 times. So 28, 26 points really isn't that great when you count the fact that he shot 27 times. Um, was only 4 of 11 from three-point line. Ended up with four fouls. I got three of those before halftime, I believe. So 12 rebounds for Barrett as well. But Kenny Williams did a phenomenal job slowing down Barrett, you're never really going to stop him because, especially without Zion, him and Reddish are really their only options to score. And you're going to see a majority of those shots taken from uh, Barrett and Reddish. And if you look at them, they both shot the ball. Barrett 27 times, Reddish 23 times. Only made 16 of those 50 shots. Only made 16 of those 50 shots. So that kind of speaks volumes of how well Carolina played defensively at times. And it was also an off night. I got to say this about Duke. I know nobody listening to this podcast likes Duke. I could really care less. I, I really don't have a personal vendetta against Duke at all. You know, in my field, you got to have a, a a neutral perspective on things. And, of course, I want to see Carolina win. But if Duke wins that game, I'm not leaving it mad or, or sad or hurt. Maybe a little bit disappointed after the game because it was a game that Carolina could have won. But the fact that they did, don't even have to worry about that being a scenario. But I will say this about Duke. Because like I mentioned, I know there's a lot of people on here that are super biased towards Duke, which is totally fine. I completely get it. But the fact that they lost their big man in the first, what, I think it was the first two and a half minutes of the game, he goes down with what looked like a bad knee sprain, Marquise Bolden, and never came back. I think it was ruled an MCL sprain. Could be worse. Would honestly be surprised to see him back the rest of the season because that can take a long time to, to heal up. Not to mention heal up. You don't really have that much time around this time of year uh, to do that unless Duke does make a deep run. But, you know, Marquise Bowen going out in the first two and a half minutes, just been a weird series of games for Duke against Carolina. You see Zion blow out his shoe in the first 30 seconds, and then you see Bowen go down trying to block Brooks on a, a breakaway layup. And that did look like it hurt. I, once I saw him do that, I was like, man, I don't think he's coming back. It looked painful. I was sitting up in the upper deck, too, in the media section. It looked painful from up there. So hope Bowden's okay, but no real surprise to see him not come back. It, it, that did look like a painful injury. But like I said, the fact that losing Bolden early, I think that really hurt Duke, especially not having Zion already. They don't really have a, a down-low presence. And you take Bolden out of there, and they were basically playing all guards. I know they have some tall guys, Barrett Reddish. Um, Delorier's tall, Jack White's tall, but those guys are not big men. Those guys don't have an inside presence. Those guys are, are guys that want to shoot and score from the outside. I think is more of a a little bit more of a, a big man down low. He is 6'10", but even he's a guy that's you see at least during the game is a little bit more comfortable stepping out. It's not a guy that's really going to threaten you too much down low. I mean, he played 28 minutes, only finished with eight points. 
um, and, and, and what, 10 rebounds. So a good rebounding performance. But besides that, Deloye didn't do much. But going back to Cam Reddish and Barrett, like I mentioned, it would even got me on this tangent anyway, talking about Duke is Kenny Williams' defense. And I thought stopping them was crucial because, like I said, without Zion, without um, Bolden, it's going to be tough for Duke to compete. And then when you've got two of your best guys shooting the ball 50 times, only making 16 of them, you know, you, you, your chances of beating the Blue Devils are, are pretty high. So back to Carolina, Garrison Brooks, 10 points, uh, five rebounds, like I said. Wasn't great from the free throw line. Was three or five from the field, though. Makes some crucial free throws down the end, so give credit to him. Cam Johnson, I thought a really good game. I thought he was really, really important coming out of the second half where Carolina went on a, it was a 12-4 run. All those 12 points were scored by the seniors that kind of pushed Carolina up 50 to 44 and they never really looked back from that cam 28 minutes five for 13 from the floor only two of eight from three wasn't a great three-point shooting performance uh but did finish with 14 points 10 rebounds double double for cam can't really be mad at that i already mentioned kenny williams 18 points six rebounds three assists seven of 15 from the floor almost 50 percent four of seven from three over 50 percent really really solid game with kenny williams especially when you consider the fact on senior night um, I know before the game, I was down on the court when they were giving the seniors their jerseys, and Kenny Williams was bawling his eyes out. I was worried that he was not going to be able to play and how, how much he was crying, him and Roy, but you know he was able to channel that energy in a really positive way. And I, I said it, I think I talked to it to my, to my dad after the game, but it was Kenny Williams. I've never seen a player play as hard as I've seen Kenny Williams play on Saturday night in person. I've never seen that before. That was one thing I took away from the game. I never saw, I've never seen a player play basketball as hard as Kenny Williams did in person. I've seen some guys have some phenomenal performances on TV, but in person, I've never seen a guy be able to play 39 minutes and absolutely fly around the court the entire time. Big credit to Kenny Williams for that. was able to talk to him after the game. I know it was probably an hour after the game, but Kenny Williams looked like he didn't even play. His sweat was dried up. Obviously, it was after the senior speeches and everything, so that's expected, but you know, I know after for me, after running for 40 minutes, playing an excellent defense against one of the best teams in the nation, you know, scoring 18 points, being that energy guy, I'd be exhausted. But Kenny Williams did not look like that. Um, Luke May, focusing on the other senior, only seven points, did have 16 rebounds, though, seven assists. Luke was getting double team a majority of the night. I don't know if you guys noticed during the game, but pretty much every time Luke drove the ball or had an open opportunity to do something, he was double teamed quickly. And that's why you see his seven assists. That's a really good number because he was able to find his teammates, especially early in that first half. Kind of dished the ball around. Only was three, only shot three of 13 from the floor, one of four from three. Didn't even attempt a free throw, but 16 rebounds, seven assists, finishing up with seven points. That's not, not bad at all for Luke May. I'm sure he would have liked to score more. But, you know, when you drop 30 and 15 at, at Cameron, I, I guess you're afforded some games like this. So no worries for Luke May. Uh, Kobe White, can't forget about Kobe White. Uh, leading score on the night, 21 points. Three assists, no turnovers for Kobe White. Four of 10 from three, eight of 18 from the floor, 36 minutes. I mean, Kobe White was phenomenal, especially in that second half. Had a pretty quiet first half, but was absolutely phenomenal in that second half and just made shots that we're accustomed to seeing him make. And I noticed it during the game. I don't know if people noticed it on TV, but there was probably five or six or seven times where Kobe White didn't necessarily break Trey Jones' ankles, but he just lost them with ease, and Trey Jones is one of the best defenders in the conference, and Kobe White was just doing things and losing him, making these quick bursts, these quick moves that Trey Jones, maybe his reaction made it look worse because you, I would hear it in the crowd a handful of times, like people like, you know, when someone gets their ankles broken, everybody's like, oh, oh, you know, you get those little oohs in the crowd and whatnot, 
And, and you would hear that. I heard that five or six times during the game. And it was just little things. And there was a couple of times where Kobe did a great job of losing, losing his defender. I remember him losing Reddish for his first three of the game. Hit him with a little hezzy step back, and that was beautiful. And had a beautiful behind-the-back play that he ended up finishing around the the rim as well. So I thought Kobe White was phenomenal on Saturday night, especially in that second half, like I mentioned. And was the reason, one of the main reasons Carolina won. If you take Kobe and Kenny out of that game, Carolina's getting blown out. So I thought Kobe and Kenny were crucial. Nazir Little, 18 minutes, nine points, four rebounds, um, no assists, no steals, one block, but four of eight from the floor is good. Three of one of one from three is good. And uh, Nazir didn't play much in the second half, only six minutes, only had didn't even attempt a shot in the second half. Was four of eight for nine points in the, at halftime and finished that way. So I was really impressed with Nazir Little's aggressiveness, especially if you look back at his performance against Duke at Cameron. He only played eleven minutes. I think he only finished with two points. I don't even. I'm pretty sure it was two points. He might not have even scored, but didn't do much against Duke in the first game and came out super aggressive and talked to him after the game. He just said it was his mindset. He came in wanted to be more aggressive and obviously asked him about not playing much in the second half, but. Gave me the exact answer I would expect from him. He said, obviously a little bit frustrating, but I'm a winner, and I just want to win. And Nazir Little, he's been known for that since high school, and he continues to to prove that fact. And, you know, it's a little bit disappointing to see not, Nazir not get as many minutes, but I think Roy wanted to beat Duke so bad that he was willing to do whatever it took. And it's not an uncommon occurrence to see Nazir, especially in late-game situations recently, to not get much playing time. But when he was called upon, he did a great job, and, Played some good defense as well, and he's a guy that you need when you're trying to play against the likes of Reddish and Barrett because he does share a lot of similarities with them athletically. So, great, not a great game by Nazir Little, but the first half I thought was phenomenal and was able to really do some nice things and keep Carolina close with the help of Kenny Williams. And then you got B-Rob, only nine minutes. I remember the one three he took, he missed, but no points for him. Only one rebound. Kind of pretty quiet game for B-Rob, but... Still did some nice things off the bench. Uh, seventh Woods, Andrew Playtech had four minutes apiece. And the reason you're only seeing seventh play four minutes is because, really because of how good Kobe White was playing. You can't keep him out of the game. So uh, Carolina only played four bench guys. Duke only played three bench guys. And then Carolina looked like the better team all night. So got to give credit to North Carolina for coming out there and getting the win. I think Duke's a little rattled right now based on how they're playing. I think Duke is a team that without Zion and potentially without Bolden for a while now, I think this Duke team is going to struggle. But it'll be interesting to see how they play when they get Zion back, which I would expect they will in the ACC tournament. Don't quote me on that, but I'm sure he'll play. Maybe not in the first game, but definitely at some point in that tournament, you'll see Zion Williams back. Uh, But Carolina, Duke, 79-70 win for the Tar Heels. Thought they were the better team for most. They outscored Duke 41-30 to in the second half. And um, only behind by two, so that kind of explains it all. But thought Duke did some nice things at times. I thought they looked really dangerous at times, and thought Carolina did some really, really good things as well, but also did some bad things. I mean, they got up by 15 and then went absolutely cold and, and let Duke cut the cut the the lead back to only five, and Duke had a chance to cut it to a one-possession game. But great defensive play by Kenny Williams again to, to get a piece on that Barrett shot from outside. And I just thought – Carolina did enough. They looked like the better team. They looked like the more experienced team that had been there before and knew how to handle it. And then you combine that with the fact that it was senior night for three really, really important uh, players to this team, I think really was able to propel North Carolina over the hill and and get them the win. So North Carolina obviously moving forward to the ACC tournament this week. They won't play until Sunday in Charlotte 
Uh, not Sunday, excuse me. Thursday in Charlotte, man. I can't talk today sometimes. Thursday in Charlotte. I be- Like I said, I believe it is the winner of the Georgia Tech in Louisville game. I'm going to try to look this bracket up as I'm talking right now so I can uh, get a little bit better idea of what the situation's looking like and what Carolina's going to potentially face coming in to the ACC tournament. But I do think Carolina has a lot of positive momentum right now. I think they really have a chance to make a deep run in the tournament. I'm not sure how well they're going to do because historically we've kind of come accustomed to not to uh, Carolina maybe not doing so so well in the ACC tournament. They they rarely win it. They get to the championship game a lot, but love to lose to Virginia or Duke when they get there. So um, first round, let's see what we're talking. You got Georgia Tech and Notre Dame, which is 10 versus 15. Um, so the winner of that game does play Louisville on Wednesday at 7 p.m., so more than likely, that'd be Louisville versus Georgia Tech if everything was to work out. And then North Carolina plays the winner of Game 6. So North Carolina's either going to play Louisville, Georgia Tech, or Notre Dame on Thursday at 7 p.m. Again, we'll be on ESPN or ESPN2, obviously, just like every other game on the uh, in the ACC tournament. But um, you would expect Carolina to get through the first round for sure. And then you would expect Carolina in the semis, they're going to either have to play... Let's see, if they win that game, Carolina's going to have to play the winner of game 11, which could be Duke. It'll either be Duke, Syracuse, or Boston College or Pitt. So I would expect that fully to be Duke, maybe Syracuse, but extremely unlikely that'll happen. Carolina's probably going to have to play Duke again. So not an uncommon occurrence, I guess would be the best best way to put it. It seems like Carolina plays Duke in the ACC tournament like every year now which has its pros has its cons and probably expect Zion to be back and I think if Zion's playing not to hop on the Zion bandwagon but he's just such a good player this game's completely different and Carolina's gonna struggle with Zion in there because I don't really think they have anybody that can D up and and match up with him super well especially when you I mean you only consider Carolina's only two big men are Garrison Brooks and Luke May Luke May will tell you he's not super athletic not anywhere compared to how athletic Zion is and then Garrison's not a guy that's going to be able to stop him either. He's just a totally different build, a totally different type of player. Um, so going to be a tough game for the Tar Heels if they do have to play Duke again, especially if Zion's back. But I fully expect North Carolina to beat him and be able to beat him. Uh, but you never know when it comes to the ACC tournament. And I always say this, don't look too much in the ACC tournament. If Carolina goes in there and loses second round, so be it. It really doesn't matter. Roy's never taken a, a huge... Um, trying to think of the right word to say. He's never taken a... a, a uh, a huge emphasis or had a huge emphasis on winning the ACC tournament. He always wants to win, of course, but he'd much rather win that big dance coming up in late March, early April. So North Carolina doesn't do well in the ACC tournament. It is what it is. They don't win it often anyway. <laughs> so no big deal regardless. But I think that's going to do it for me, guys. I just wanted to hop on here real quick and talk about that Duke game. Um, overall takeaway, really fun experience, really good game. Um, was able to be in the locker room after and interview some players and you know, saw the likes of Mike Copeland in there, David Noel. You see just former players in there. You start to understand what it means, Carolina family and, and all that stuff. And it was just cool. It was just cool to see. I've already seen it plenty of times this year, but it's a different vibe in the Duke game. There's a lot more people there. Uh, the energy is a little bit different, like I mentioned. And, you know, Carolina fans just want to see Carolina beat Duke. It's pretty simple when you think about it. So, guys, that's going to do it for me. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on here and listening. 
Not sure I'll be able to get one out next this week, well, being at the ACC tournament. But we will be doing some podcasts over at Tar Heel Illustrated, uh, NorthCarolina.Rivals.com. So be able to, to tune in over there and listen to that if you are interested. But thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, as always, we'll see you next time. Pack it up, pack it in. Let me begin. I came to win. Battle me. That's a sin. I won't ever slack